was on our side. I'm thankful tonight that God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? It doesn't mean that nobody's against us. It just it means uh, they have no, really have no identity because there's nothing they can do to you. It's like an unknown who. There's nobody with any power that can defeat a child of God that's trusting, fully trusting in Him. And so I'm thankful for that tonight. And I appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for uh, being in, in Bible study tonight. And uh, just we're going to con- con- kind of jump on the, the back end of last week's message and uh, talk about, I, I mentioned it during the message, that we would kind of break down the strands of that threefold cord. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, when you give. Last week was when, when, when. And uh, we know that in Matthew 6, Jesus talked about these things. I'm going to read uh, this before we pray for the lesson. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Jesus said, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that alms may be that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Let's pray for our lesson. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise that comes along with it. Lord, tonight I pray that we can receive this into good ground so that we can bring forth good fruit, shine a good light for you in this land. Help us to receive it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the word of God tonight? Hallelujah. Thankful for his word. Thankful for his word. You know, the more that you read and study, the more that scriptures you have read over your entire life, you'll begin to see meaning in them and promises in them and and principles in them that you know are working on your behalf. Sometimes uh, you may have something going on in your life and you realize it's a blessing and then you come across it in the Word and realize, wow, that's why things are going so good for me because I'm doing what God said I ought to be doing. I didn't even realize that there was a scripture for that. I, I remember especially new in the church, trying to read the Bible through, but I was trying to, I was following other people's examples, trying to live right, and, and you know, God was blessing, and then I would read scripture and be like, ah, oh, that's why, okay, yeah, got it, so you, you learn a lot, and you see a lot of things, and you realize that even though, uh, you know, these words that the Lord was speaking, you know, over 2,000 years ago are still uh, very valid for us today. And still provide for us. His word has not lost any of its authority or power to accomplish what he sends it out to do. And so we talked last week uh, as Jesus uh, had uh, been preaching. And and when you get into this part of Matthew from 5, 6, 7, it's like almost all read. (laughs) It's it's his words. He's he's preaching. He's teaching. He's he's instructing. And um, last week we we talked about uh, how that he mentioned three things. When you give, which we just read about, and then in verse 5 of Matthew 6, he starts about talking about prayer, and then in verse 16, he begins to talk about fasting. And uh, we attributed this or compared it to uh, the makings of a threefold cord, which um, I had this rope that we used for an example one time years ago, but we actually uh, had two of the people braid this. We, we had the three strands and we showed the power of one strand, how you would weave them together, how each one lends to the other. But tonight we want to kind of break down uh, you know, one of the strands so we can see why. Because people, when they are given choices, will pick the things they like the best and sometimes leave out the rest. That's just... Uh, uh, you know, that's why we always liked multiple choice testing because you, you had something to pick from. And, and too many times if we have options, we'll pick 
one thing that suits us, that we feel like that's where we click and, and neglect something else. But when it comes to Scripture, you don't neglect any of it because it's all important. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so uh, I don't want to pick and choose what I feel like fits me best. I want to follow His Word as closely as I can. And so uh, when we talked about these three things, giving, praying, fasting, um, while it may seem like one is more important than the other, that's not the case. They're all important, and they're all expected. That's why the Lord said, when you do it. Uh, I'm expecting this to happen, and if you're expecting anything, it should be happening because if there's the reward's going to come, but it comes when you give, pray, or fast. But uh, just a refresher of the scriptures that we read last week, Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Now, if I've got somebody <clears throat> or one thing in my life that can, can get me when I'm all by myself, I need to add something to it. And there's some things that come forth by prayer and fasting. But then he said, and if you want to go a step further, a threefold cord is not easily broken. In other words, uh, it's something that um, uh, gives us extra power in our walk. It, it helps us. It gives us strength. It gives us faith. It will encourage us. Uh, everything uh, we do, uh, any battle we face, any trial we get through, it's because of faith. And, and all these scriptures uh, help to build our faith in the Word of God. And so we read also in Mark 4 and 20 at the end of the parable of the sower, Jesus said, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive the word, and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So uh, again, three things. Uh, there's receiving the word of God, whatever it is, whatever is being preached, when we receive it, sometimes it brings forth 30, 60. And I believe that happens with us as we will add things in our walk. I believe that as we are doing everything that we can to serve God and do what God wants us to do, that obviously we're going to bring forth more fruit. Because the more you do, the more you get. The more you sow, the more you reap. So... Uh, so, so just think about it like this. If, you know, if you're a giver, God will bless you because he said he would. But if you're not praying and fasting, giving may not be enough to get you through some of the spiritual battles you're going through. But if you are giving and praying, well, now you're looking at maybe uh, a life that brings forth 60-fold because, uh, and that prayer is helping you out, but then we realize that only, some things only come by prayer and fasting. So now we add fasting into the, the, the band, and now we've got this threefold cord, and we've got a strong life of faith. And, and these three things are very important, and uh, uh, even giving is very important to who you are living for God. And so he says, if you receive the word, and you've got this word, you hear it, you receive it, because if you just hear it and you don't do it, you deceive yourself. Isn't that what the Scripture says? But when you hear it and you receive it, 30, 60, 100, that's the fruit it's bringing forth. And why does that matter? Why the fruit? John 15 and 2, Jesus said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So, God is trying to get fruit out of his people because we are the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And so he, he compares it to uh, the works we do, the things that we do in this life to fruit. But we only bear fruit when we hear the word and receive the word or obey the word of God. So any scripture now, you, you apply these principles to the scripture. So if I am giving as Jesus expects me to do in my life, if I am doing these kind of things, then it will bring forth fruit because your father that sees in secret, he's going to reward you openly. You know what you don't, you, you could buy a fruit tree and plant it and you can't see, see a single thing on it. But inside that tree is what it takes to make visible fruit. 
And so when it is planted like it should be and getting all the things it should be getting, receiving the nourishment from the ground that actually comes from God, it begins to put fruit out that can be seen. And it's the same way with us. We're the planting of the Lord, and we're planted, uh, the Bible says, like planted by rivers of water. We're getting everything we need from the Word of God so that fruit can be evident in our life. But Every branch in him that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. So the only way for me to not bear fruit, I can be in, I can come and be born again, baptized in his name, filled with his spirit. Well, now I'm his. But now that I'm in him, what am I doing with my life, with my walk with him? How is it this being the best life that it can be? We say living for God's the best life. That, that's more than just believing in him and being born again. That's living for Him, living by His Word, walking with Him, talking with Him, living by faith, walking by faith, and having the things that God said you could have in your life. And so uh, he went on to say in verse 8 of John 15, this is the way my Father's glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And so hearing the Word of God, receiving the Word of God, is essential to bearing fruit, and that is how God is glorified. We know we are the light of the world, and we're supposed to let our light so shine before men that they can see our good works or see our fruit and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And so uh, giving, because we are rewarded openly, in other words, people can see that, uh, for you to have the fruit of giving in your life, you must give. And when people see how God is, they don't have to see what what you gave was given out of your heart to the Lord. You give to Him. They don't see that, but they see the blessings of God on your life. They realize, hey, you're not pulling your hair out worried about uh, foreclosure or bills or things like that. And you're not uh, covered up in debt and things going on like that because uh, you're, you're a giver. And it's not just money stuff. And we're going to get into that on down through here, that it's not always about money when you're giving. The things that you give, you're still going to be blessed when you give. And so I want to glorify God. And so I want to glorify Him in more than just prayer and fasting. I want to glorify Him in my giving because it's Scripture. We, can, we can't say anything to anybody about taking out Acts 2.38 if we take out Matthew 6, 1, 2, 3, and 4. We can't, we, we can't uh, decide which ones are not worth obeying or keeping or things like that. We can't say anything about you know, all the other scriptures we talk about that rule our lives if we take out these principles of giving, praying, and fasting. If we move that stuff, we're just like we're doing the same thing they're doing. So we've got to have these things. So uh, Now this strand of the cord... Uh, giving is the one that nobody likes to talk about. And most preachers don't even like to preach about it because they're afraid of being lumped in with, with those that are greedy and those that are just in ministry for money. And you know me, if you've been here any time, uh, you will probably count on one hand each year the number of times I've mentioned giving. Because uh, it, my wife will tell you it's just that Things in me. I said, I just don't want people to think we're money hungry. I don't want people to think we're trying to, hey, give us money, give us money, because we're not. It's not like that. I'm not like that. But I do understand, and as pastor, I have to make sure you understand as saints of God uh, that uh, what the blessings are and how essential it is to part of your life, uh, living for God, how good it is for your life. It's not, we think about we're losing something when we give. No, you're not. Or you're on the fast track to gaining something. Something's coming your way. Giving is part of living, part of living by faith, part of living for God. But uh, let me say this. Giving needs no more apology than does praying. There are 1,539 passages that refer to giving in the Scripture. There are only 523 Scriptures that refer to praying. Now, that does not mean that giving is more important than prayer. It just takes that much more for us to learn it. (laughs) Maybe that's why he, three times as much, he mentions it because uh, people just don't get it. I don't know. Uh, You know, I heard him say one time it took him 
40 days to get them uh, out of Egypt, but it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. So it's, sometimes it just takes time, doesn't it? But it doesn't make giving more important, but giving is important. And it holds for the believer a reward when it's done properly, when we understand it. When, you know, a lot of people shy away from doing things they don't understand and, or they've even formed a wrong opinion of. And unfortunately, people have formed, especially in this world, a wrong opinion of giving to the church. I've seen billboards, uh, actual billboards that somebody paid for and took money for to post that said, don't give that church your tithes. You go buy the car you want. I mean, this is like, and, there's a, and, and then there's a book out about why, uh, t- telling people specifically, don't give your money to the church. And so, uh, and you know, some people are saying, hey, I'm going to check that out. And people will believe, because I'm sure it will probably be well written. It'll probably be very subtle and, and very sly and they'll have little this and that's to back it up, and people say, you know what, that's right, because they don't really understand what giving is all about in the first place. And so uh, giving, again, is not always money or possessions, because we give thanks, we give praise, and uh, that's how we enter in. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. We give honor to God. And don't you think, do you ever, or you ever feel blessed when you give God praise? The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Uh, so when I bless the Lord, we, we give time uh, to the Lord. We give time to people. Uh, you can give time to, to ministry. Uh, we give our love. The first commandment is to love. We love him because he first loved us. So we give our love. Uh, we give ourselves to God. So there's a lot of things to give that are not just money, but yet they will reap the benefits of the principle of when you give. When you give time to God, God will notice that. When you give yourself to prayer and give yourself to fasting, God will hear and he will answer. And when you give to the poor, there's scriptures after scriptures that talk about uh, how you will be blessed because you remembered the poor. And so I know sometimes we, we like, ah, uh, you know, you can't give them people standing on the street. They probably got a Cadillac parked around the corner. They, and it might be. I don't know. I, you know. But there are times when I see people that I feel I cannot drive past them or I cannot walk past them without handing them something or stopping to pray for them or mentioning something to them about the Lord. Give them of your time, maybe. Yeah. Give them an encouraging word. Right. But give. Yeah. God sees when you give. Right. And when we give... Because this is Scripture. And when we give, we are letting that, you know, we love the Scripture. And after we receive the Holy Ghost, we should power. You know, we're going to have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And the word power talks about having uh, the ability or the characteristics of God. And so when we give, we are letting that, the word is dunamis, that power, that love shine through us. We are following our Father's example. When you give, you're imitating your heavenly father. He's a giver. Man, come on, first scripture you probably learned. Well, maybe apostolics, uh, but we learned Acts 2.38 first, or either uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God's one Lord first. But, but most kids growing up, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so we find off right, right there that God gave his only begotten son. He gave something precious, something that he loved. God gave to the world to be a blessing to the world. In 1 Timothy 6 and 17, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, Trust in the living God, who, uh, or charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who giveth us, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So not just money. Not just wealth, not just possessions, but all things. And so God has given us all things to enjoy. God is a giver, but he's not an ATM, and he's not a bank. He's not the lottery. He's not your cash cow. He's not your sugar daddy. He's none of that stuff. He is a God. He is God Almighty. He is the Lord, and he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He is a giver to his children. 
Luke 6 and 38 uh, carries a powerful promise with it. Give, and it shall be given unto you. We, we say this every week. We say it every week. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, men shall give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with, it shall be measured to you again. And so, give. He's not telling you a specific amount, but he's letting you know the same measure that you give with is how, and how you measure, that's how it's going to be measured back to you. But, but there's something always coming back to you. Give, and it shall be given to you. Now, these kind of scriptures, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time that because they struggle with scriptures, struggle with principles that we follow in, you know, about modesty and, and different things like that in the scripture, and they're like, I don't understand that, I don't get that. You know, I believe in God, I love him, I believe he loves me, but I don't believe I have to, and they go in that, and I'm like, well, let me ask you this, does it take faith to believe in God? Well, it does. I said, what about the scripture about being baptized? Did you obey that by faith? I did. I said, do you understand how God, who shed his blood 2,000 years ago, washes your sin away with that blood today? Do you understand? Well, I don't, but it's faith. I have faith. Well, you know what? Every scripture has got to be taken by faith because it was given by God. It's a supernatural word from God. So any scripture, you take it by faith. You take it by faith, and every scripture has the power to produce faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That's why when somebody is preaching about healing that people get all excited and they start grabbing people saying, you, you know, and start laying hands on people in those kind of services because you're going to be healed. Yeah. But it's the same way with any of it. You reason that you would lay hands on somebody and start speaking healing is because you have, your faith has been supercharged by the preaching of God's Word. It wasn't just a man saying something that, hey, if you touch somebody, they can be healed. It was uh, him letting you know that the Scripture says God is the healer of all of our diseases, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover, and he'll pray the prayer of faith, and the sick shall be saved. And so we see Scripture after Scripture, and that builds our faith, and so that's why we people have flu when they have cancer with anything. We're laying hands on them and saying, be healed in the name of Jesus. It's faith in the Word. So it it produces, I have to believe it by faith, and it produces faith in me. Well, it's the same way with Scriptures like giving. But if Scriptures like about giving, I don't mean that much to you. Uh, You know, that's okay. I'll throw a little bit here and there. But really, I don't, I just breeze over that so I can check it off and say I read that this year. But if you will look and see what it says and take it by faith, it will increase and produce faith in your life. And when you start giving by faith, God is going to start blessing. If you give because somebody told you to give, simply, well, I better give because I know that, you know, they might not see my name on an envelope. And I wouldn't want nobody to think I'm not giving. Well, you you all out of whack. But when you are coming into servicing, and guess what? Taking or giving an offering to God, that's just part of the service. That's part of faith. It's like the prayer service. It's not like the interlude for things to change. It's uh, even though we've done that, we use it for that. Well, it's the offering. I mean, I, I'm guilty of that. Well, it's, the, it's the offering, so that, let's use that to switch up things because it's a good place to do it. But we can never forget how important this part of service is because you come in and say, Lord, I'm giving. Either you're giving your tithe or you're giving your offering, and you should put it in there by faith, saying, I'm giving God to your work. I'm giving to your kingdom. I'm giving according to the Scripture. That's why we read that statement of faith. Uh, give and it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We believe what we're saying about giving. And so uh, if these scriptures, like Luke uh, 6 and 38, if they're his word, they carry the same enforcement of his word. And my word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the thing that I set it out to accomplish. God did not give us this uh, scripture right here. Jesus did not make this statement right here to simply excite people and think, you know, it's like he was baiting and switching them or is, hey, I'm fishing for them and I'm going to get them with this one because everybody loves to get stuff. Given, it'll be given to you. He did not do it as a trick. 
He didn't do it as uh, sugarcoating something just to get people to follow him. He knew he wasn't going to be there very long. But he said, people need to know if they will give. And I'm talking about give by faith, give out of their heart. It's going to be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I believe that that comes with anything uh, that you do. If you uh, give kindness, it comes back to you. If you give love and mercy... It comes back to you. He even said so, uh, the merciful shall obtain mercy. He's like, it's coming back on you. It doesn't matter if, you, if that's what you're sowing, that's what you're reaping. If that's what you're giving, that's what you're getting. You're going to get the things that you give. And so we don't only give to be rewarded. That's a good part of it. But because we do give, we are rewarded. A blessing is going to follow us if we do that. There's a, one of the stories that we preach from a lot and, and love in John chapter 4, the parable of the, the woman at the well. Do you know what the first statement of that uh, whole encounter is? Do you know, have any idea what the first, very first thing that Jesus said to her? Give me to drink. That's how this whole scenario gets started. She shows up. It's not, hey, how's your day? I'm the Lord. Of course, she don't know that yet, but this is God speaking to this woman. He already knows she's had five husbands, and the one she's living with ain't her husband. He already understands that she is in something uh, in need of living water. And before he mentions anything about that, let's see how she is with giving. Give me to drink. Now she's uh, taken aback by that. I don't know. She's, she's confused because he's a Jew and the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. And, and maybe she's thinking, I don't want to have to dip this jar one more time just because you're a Jew and you think you're better than me. I don't know what it is, but she's questioning him on that. But then he begins to tell her, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said, give me to drink, you would ask me, I'd give you living water. And, but she needs salvation. She needs living water. She needs hope for her life. And it all starts, it all breaks open with this, give. When you give to God first, when you will take what is important to you in your life, this was her job that day. She was going to get water for her to drink, for her family, uh, for this guy that wasn't her husband. I don't know, but she had carried that pot, dipped that water, all these things. And he said, give me to drink. And a blessing followed it. Because a conversation that changed her whole life happened. And he said it opens up with giving. Just like it opened up for us because he gave. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in would not perish but have everlasting life. He he gave. And so uh, there's another part in here. While I was studying this day, I looked and I just realized, I remember she makes another statement. And she says, are you greater, and this is verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well? Now, you know how long it had been since Jacob had been alive? You know how long that well had been there? Man, when you will give, when you will give, when you will give, you have no idea the generations of people it will bless. Sometimes you can give something by faith and you have no idea. You know what? There's a little tag here. It says Reverend and Mrs. G. F. Eberhardt. And they bought this and, uh, because this when they were buying pews. People would buy pews and they would put a little name tag on the pews for the church. This is what they bought. You know how many generations uh, from him have preached over this thing? You know how many preachers have preached over this pulpit? How many people have heard the truth across this pulpit because somebody gave? Yes. Oh, yeah. You, you don't know how the blessings are going to flow. Giving. You, you can't stop it, man. Giving always, uh, it, it just takes off. When you start giving by faith, I mean, that's how God is. You can't stop God. And, uh, man, you're, you're, that's an essence of God. That's one of his greatest attributes. He's a giver. And when you give like God gives, just unselfishly, just give. Give with wisdom. God doesn't give foolishly. He give with wisdom and, and give by faith. It, it can't stop it. There ain't nothing in this world can stop the blessings that are going to come. It's already in the Word. Yeah. There's a story back in uh, 1 Kings about Elijah and, and a widow woman. 
famine in the land. She's starving to death. Got a little barrel of meal, a little cruise of oil. He happens up on them. What are you doing? I'm about to make a cake. Got a little oil, a little meal, going to make a cake. Me and my son going to eat it. We're going to die. He said, how about this? You make me one first. Well, then they won't be enough. Let's see. So she gives to him first, or gives to the man of God first, and then her and her son and the man of God eat all the way through the famine. It didn't waste. It didn't ruin. It stayed, didn't run out. It was always there. You cannot stop. Give and it shall be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It took faith for her to do that. She's rolling out that cake. Her boy's sitting over there, stomach grumbling. He's hungry. That She's starving. I know there's a famine in the land. I know. I can't believe I'm making it. But I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to trust God. Boy, if we'll just trust God. And just do what God asks us to do. It adds something to us. Do you think her faith was strengthened by that encounter? Don't you know that even when things got better, she could remember, man, I know when we were starving, it seemed like, hey, I don't know what to do, that something incredible was asked of us. We gave, and God kept giving. We gave to God, and God just kept giving, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. We, had, we was eating cake every day. I, you know what? She could have made 50 cakes a day because it wasn't going to run out. She could, man, she might have could have opened up a bake shop. I don't know. But it wasn't going to run out because she gave to God first. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I know. We think, wow, it's crazy. It's, but it's the Bible and it's the stories. And, you know, yeah, I, I believe the Scripture. Right. I believe it, and I believe it happened. And I believe that that kind of principle that when we give, that God has shown us, when you'll do things by faith, take my word by faith and obey it, uh, it's going to bear fruit. Sometimes it's going to be 30. Sometimes it's going to be 60. And then sometimes you're going to jump all the way to 100. Yeah. Giving reveals things about us. Yeah. It does. Giving reveals things about people, just like any other uh, attribute thing that we do in the Scripture. Uh, it will reveal things. But giving uh, will say things about our character. It'll say things about what we value. This is where, this is where the part gets tough where people, it's hard to swallow sometimes. But it also reveals to us about what we worship. If we will give to everything else but God, what's that say about I'm just saying, I'm not saying anybody here does it. I'm saying, let's just think about the, pose the question. If somebody, uh, because I, I know people that uh, will just spin, spin, spin. Ask them to help a missionary. A couple of dollars. How you give reveals things about you. Yeah. What you give, how you give, it reveals things about what you think about, what you're looking at. It reveals about what you worship and what you value. Yeah. Well, I, I can't give in that offering because if I do, I can't buy, you know, a go-kart to race, oh, whatever you do, whatever your hobby is. You know, if I were to say, man, I would give in that offering, but if I do that, I can't buy that new rifle. You've got to get your priorities right. If that rifle's something that you desire and you do right, listen, it'll come around. You'll get that. Yeah. If it's that other thing, it'll, that'll come to you. But, but man, when, when there's a need and God is pressing your heart, hey, give. Don't ignore it. Don't shrug it off. Take the scripture by faith. If I give, it's going to be given back. We've had testimonies in this church of that happening over and over again about people saying, man, I, the Lord pressed on me to give $20. That was the last $20 I had. And then somebody uh, came up when service was over with and said, hey, I want to give you know, something to you for your, your trip or whatever, and it was like three times more than what I gave. Yeah. You know, it was just, it happened. I'm telling you, God will take care of it. God will make a way. And, and giving has always been part of 
what God expected of his children, what he desired of them to be givers. In Exodus 25 and 2, the Lord told Moses, he said, I want you to speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. God said, I want you forcing them. Don't twist their arm. Don't beg them. He said, I want you to speak to them that they bring me an offering. And he said, but you're going to only take it of every man that gives it willingly with his heart. He said that you shall take my offering. God wants to know how's your heart set for giving. He could look at people and see then where they were. In 1 Chronicles 29 and 9, they were preparing for the temple. Uh, and David had talked about the things he had brought in and, and things they were laying up, getting ready to build what we call Solomon's temple. It says, after they had given, it says, the people rejoiced for that they had offered willingly. They were given stuff, given gold, given silver, given things that they had, but they offered it willingly and they were rejoicing because with perfect heart they offered to the Lord. Nobody was forcing them to do it. Nobody was twisting their arm. Nobody was holding them at gunpoint. Nobody was shunning them or anything. Hey, hey, here's what we're doing. We're building a house for the Lord. Awesome. What can I do? That's my God. We're doing something for the kingdom. Hey, count me in. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. He's filled me with his spirit. He's healed my body. He woke me up today. He saved my children. On and on and on. You can't list all the things God's done for you. So, so that's how they were. Man, he's brought us through victories. Give us this king that we love somebody. Man, he, whatever. Yeah, hey, taking an offering for the church or for the Lord, for the temple, count me in. Because God has taken care of me. God has blessed me. God's work. So you know, that giving shows what you think about this God that we serve sometimes. Now, uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writing to the church, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. In other words, uh, I'm not telling you how to give, I'm just telling you here is the principle of and the, the law that works with it. When you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Maybe sometimes all you got is sparingly. <laughs> Maybe that's, and that's it. But God's saying, look, uh, but when you give everything you've got, and if it is just sparingly, God's going to take care of it and bless it. But he said, you're going to make it up in your own mind. How you sow is how you reap. But then he said, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So it doesn't need to just be spur of the moment, hey, let me grab what's here and throw it. How is it purposed in the heart? So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God wants you to give to him, to be, but he wants you to be happy about it. He wants you, and let me tell you, when you know, it's just like being, when we talk about having that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory in the middle of a trial, or like when Peter said, you might be in a bunch of storms and things right now, but happy are ye. And you're like, happy? Or count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And you're like, that don't make any sense. It's because you see the end of it. Right. And you know that God's going to work things out for your good. It's the same way with this giving. He said, be a cheerful giver. Because you can't see it now, but when you do that, there's a blessing coming. There's a reward coming because the Scripture said there would be. Now, that doesn't mean that it's, it's not a retirement fund. But it is when we give in offering and things like that, and we give to the, the, to the church, to the work of God, or to missions offerings, things like that, it's to further the work for the kingdom, just like they were doing in the book of Acts, when they were gathering things and, and distributing so people have what they needed. And it's the same way we take these offerings up because we want missionaries to have what they need. We want church planners to have what they need. We want our home church to keep the lights on. And so you take offerings and you do things because, uh, hey, we've got to get the parking lot striped. Let's, here's what it's going to cost so people give because we want things to look nice. You, you're giving to the work of God. Yeah. And so nobody wants you to, to 
uh, go into debt. I don't want you to take, be taking out loans, uh, anything like that. I don't want you, uh, because that's not even, I don't want you to say, well, you know what, I'm just going to get a $10,000 loan and give it to the church, and then you pay him back forever and ever. I don't want you doing that. Don't do that. You know, that's, because that's not, you're not giving your money. You're giving the bank's money. <laughs> and then they charge you interest on it. So it's, don't do that. But, you know, sometimes it will be a sacrifice. I, I understand. Sometimes there is sacrificial giving where we just realize, I can't even afford this, but I'm going to give it. But that's when God's moving on your heart. It's how you purpose in your heart to do that. Don't, don't do that so you say, yeah, they, them people know I'm struggling. Don't do that. Because now you, got, you just got your reward right there. That's, that's, it stops right there. And, uh, you know, and you just threw your money away, really. It, don't do that. Um, giving is part of living for God. And God loveth a cheerful giver. So don't give grudgingly. Don't be wrinkling that. And so I, sometimes I see them dollar bills are wrinkled up. I'm like, well, somebody was mad. Or fold. Hey, is this why we're here? And if it's your, your kids doing it, tell them not to fold it like 60 times where that dollar bill's about like that, a little square about like that. I got to unfold it and unfold it. I have taken an iron and ironed dollar bills because they were so wrinkled up. I was like, that's ridiculous. I said, I said the people at the bank is going to think, what kind of people go to church down there? It won't even go through the slot. It's so wrinkled. I said, it's got, you got to do something to it to fix it. So just saying, you know, but, you know, maybe, or, honestly, I have seen one twisted, like a twist tie. Why? Why? Is it kill? I got to give this. I got to give this. My, you know, well, I like them, them ones that just long, flat, crisp. Put them in there. Drop, drop it in. Fold it once, maybe. That's all. If you fold it more than once, something's wrong. I'm going to find scripture for it. Just hang on. God loves a cheerful giver. Anything that God loves, I want to be. Now you say, well, he loves me anyway. Yeah, I know. He loves the world. But God loves a cheerful giver. That's something that he takes delight in. Uh, yes, he loves everybody with that love that's unconditional. But these are things that God delights in. People, because he knows that a cheerful giver is somebody who is giving, they've heard the word, it's produced faith in life, they have received it, and they're giving because of the word. It's, it's again, we, book of Acts kind of things we know. Um, but, uh, oh, let me finish this. Did I read that? Yeah, they rejoiced for they offered with a perfect heart, they offered to the Lord. And it said, David, the king also rejoiced with great joy. It made the king happy. Everybody was happy about what they were giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Acts 20 and 35, Paul is instructing those that have walked with him. And he says, I have shown you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if you have tried to find that scripture anywhere, uh, it is more blessed to give than receive, you're not going to find it because there's no other scripture in the, there, but it's evident through all the things that Jesus taught, this is what he was saying. It's the teaching. And, you know, and Paul, of course, maybe this was something that Paul got while he was talking to the Lord because Paul wasn't there to hear all the teachings of Jesus that we heard through the gospel, that we see through the gospel. But Paul knows a lot and has a lot of revelations and, and spends a lot of time with the Lord. So uh, maybe this is something that he's reminding them of from another time. I don't know, but if you try to find that scripture in the gospels, you're going to be like, hey, this, he never said that. I don't see it anywhere. It's in every teaching. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so uh, we think, wow, that's great, great to get. But sometimes you just get... But the giver is getting it back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So it's more blessed to give, to receive. I'm more like God when I am giving to God. So 
I want to, I want to be blessed. I want, and not just so I can walk around and say, ooh, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed and uh, blessed and highly favored, you know. Uh, I, don't, none of that. I, I want God to bless me. I want the blessings of God on my life. I have a family. I have uh, things to take care of. I have a church. So I want the blessings of God in my life yeah. because anything that God blesses is going to be great. Yeah. So I want the blessings of God in my life. Um, now, the, the scripture that nobody, you know, this is what I saved this to close to the end. And I you know, probably thought, well, he's not even going to go there. But Ma- the book of Malachi, I know it's Old Testament for people, but um, it's the truth and, it, and the principles of it you know, are, are there for us to follow because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for approved correction, so we can be thoroughly furnished. You know, so I want to be thoroughly furnished. I want to be complete. I want to be complete in Him. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Um, actually, verse 7, uh, he says, uh, he's talking to Israel, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances. And you have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? They had gotten so far away from doing the things of God, they, they don't even know where to start. Where do you want us to return? And so he says, well, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And then he went on to tell them, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. It's not just what you're keeping from me, from the Lord. It's hurting the nation. It's hurting the body. It's hurting the people of God. A church, people say, well, I'll go to church, but I ain't giving no tithes. I want to ask people, how do you think the church operates? Because the government don't support us. We don't have no grants coming in. There's no uh, secret money pot that we say something over and it just shoots money out for us to have. So you say, oh, I love that church. I'll go to that church. But you don't give to that church. Oh, no, I ain't giving that. And And this is where I feel like, ah. And so I try to avoid looking like that. But they always say, I'm not giving that preacher my money. And that's it, ain't it, Brother Larry? And we're like, got this. It's like you, as soon as you get called to preach, you get this little target on you that says, you want money. I'm like, I had a guy one time I told him back years ago, we were talking about something. I worked for ADT, and I began to talk about where I was preaching and doing some things. I said, yeah, we have a radio broadcast. I preach on there some. He said, oh, man, you're probably making good money. I said, no, we pay the radio to preach. So when I get, he said, you don't get paid for preaching on the radio? I said, no. I said, I don't get paid for preaching at all. He's like, what? He said, I thought all them preachers had money. I said, I don't know, you know. Uh, yeah, so, I, but, and it's, it's funny to us, but, but the world believes that. Boy, I mean, it's just, uh, once you tell them, hey, you know, you're a preacher, they're looking out there for your Cadillac. You you mean my 1990 F-150? That I have to keep pulling the window up because the power window don't work on it? But I don't care about that. It's not about that. I don't need those kind of things. I want to preach. I want to reach people. I want the church to be blessed. And so I don't need all that craziness. But the world thinks that about us. And so they just... I will go to church, I want to go to heaven, but you ain't getting a dime from me. Hey, I don't get your dime anyway. What you decide to do about giving or not giving is between you and him. Because yeah. guess what? I'm going to give, and God's going to take care of me. And so uh, you, he says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and then, and it's not just like God saying, y'all better get on the ball and get the money in here. God is saying, listen, I'm teaching you something even now. When you'll bring the tithes into the storehouse 
is for my house. Prove me now with this, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. Even back then, he's, he's telling Israel, look, I'm trying to help you. When you'll get right and give to the kingdom, when you'll give to God, when you'll, you'll give like you're supposed to give because it's set up. They were to return the tithe to the Lord. It was, that's, there's plenty of scripture for it. But he said, I'm telling you, I'll pour you out a blessing. You can't even receive it. But it's not just money that God gives. I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm going to throw a dollar in and watch me get a hundred back. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. If you think like that, that's, that's like some kind of voodoo or something, man. That ain't how this works. You know, it's not like, it's not a slot machine. Right. The offering basket is not a slot machine. You just, uh, but he's saying, do this. And he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, and neither shall your vine cast her fruit. You know what? I'm bearing fruit. That's the evidence of my faith in God. If I lose my faith, I lose the fruit. He's saying, I'm going to bless you so that you don't lose your fruit, that you won't lose your witness. When you will give to me, when you'll give like you're supposed to give, and, and I'm going to bless you in such a way that you can't even receive it. Because I'm thinking, I can take all, you know, most of us, I can take all the money you can give God. You know, but he ain't just talking about that. He's talking about, I'm going to keep the enemy off your back. He's not going to destroy the fruit of your ground. And he's not going, your vine, we're, we're the vine, he, you know, we're grafted into him. He, you're not going to cast your fruit before your time in the field. Now, you think, well, he's talking to them about natural blessings. I'm talking to you about spiritual blessings. That there is faith built up in you. God's going to protect you, take care of you, so that your faith fails not. Yeah. He told Peter, he said, that the 